Real quick before we start the show, just wanted to let you guys know you can get the show two days early by joining our Patreon. Even for a buck, you can listen to the show two days early. Go to patreon.com slash analog talk and we got a bunch of stuff over there. Check it out and uh, yeah, enjoy the episode. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Analog Talk, a film photography podcast. I'm your host, Chris. I'm Tim. And today our guest is Saxon from Negative Supply. Hi, Saxon. Hey, how are you? Good. Thanks hey. for joining us. It's good to see you again. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You as well. Before we get into all the exciting things you have going on, can you introduce yourself to our listeners and give us a little background on you and how you got into photography? Yeah, absolutely. So like she said, my name is Saxon. Um, I am one of the co-founders of Negative Supply. I also happen to be a film photographer. I've been shooting film for about 10 years now. I got my first digital camera a little over 10 years ago. And then, of course, the logical next step is to grab a film camera and try that out <laughs> once you yep. get bored with digital. Yep. And kind of from there, through uh, shooting some weddings here and there and doing a little bit of hybrid shooting, I just kept shooting film right up until probably the last five years when I switched just to, to travel work, which was exclusively film. Had a lot of fun with it. Um, my background's actually engineering, um, materials engineering. Oh, wow. Cool. Makes sense. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Didn't exactly have a ton to do with like the art side of photography, but you know, now that I'm doing what I am currently doing with negative supply, it's definitely kind of all come together and it's, it's really amazing. That's exciting. Yeah. Awesome. So there's some news on the negative supply front. <laughs> yeah. Talk yeah, to yeah, us about absolutely. the Kickstarter. What do you have going on? I guess we can start with last year. Last yeah. year we, we launched a 35 millimeter film carrier. For those of you that don't know, it is a product for basically holding your film flat for capturing with a digital camera, doing something called camera scanning. It basically allows you to photograph your negatives with a macro lens and then use software to convert them. Mm. Um, it's kind of an alternative to flatbed scanning. It's really fast um, and the technology on the software side is getting better and better. Um, so that was successful. We kind of kept up the momentum and continued sales after our Kickstarter on the site. We had a lot of interest in medium format and large format. So over the last year, we've really started to work on those. And this most recent Kickstarter is for medium format, 120 and 220 film. Man, that's that's so exciting because everyone who owns a flatbed scanner <laughs> yeah, I know. hates scanning so much. <laughs> At least I do. I mean, I know. I mean, to be honest with you, like I can give you the story of how Negative Supply started. Yes, if, please if that's, do. Yeah, yeah, I would so love that. I think it was like December. I had just gotten back. This is like a year and a half ago. I had just gotten back from Tokyo. I was super stoked with all the, the film I had shot. I had shot a bunch of black and white, but I'd never really done a lot of like developing or scanning myself. Mm. Um, so one night, uh, suffering from jet lag, I went on a website and bought an entire like developing kit, like the tanks yes. And, yes. A, <laughs> and a flatbed scanner. And I was like, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to develop all this film and scan it this weekend. It's going to be great. Well... I got the scanner. I did the developing. That was easy. But when I went went to uh, scan everything, it literally took me like an hour per mm -hmm. roll. Mm -hmm. I had cut them into strips and, you know, half a day later, I'd still scanned like two rolls of film with colors that weren't exactly what I was looking for. Yeah. So like a month later, I basically said, I could probably try something with camera scanning. 
searched through the Facebook groups, found that it's actually a pretty popular method to, to scan. You know, there are thousands of people in these Facebook groups. Oh, wow. But then realized that the only options for holding the film flat were kind of cumbersome. You basically used your flatbed scanner yeah. film holders yeah. and you had to kind of move them between shots. So I kind of put my head together with AJ Holmes, who's the co-founder of Negative Supply, and said we should make like a film carrier specifically for this that can sit on top of a light table under your copy stand with your camera and and basically just take pictures of each frame while advancing frame by frame. And so I had returned my flatbed scanner, built a prototype (laughs) by January. And uh, yeah, Negative Supply launched a couple months after that with our first Kickstarter. That's so good. I know. I love that. Just taking the initiative. Yeah. I'm like, this isn't good. Let's figure out an alternative. Yeah. I don't know if it was like extreme boredom or like extreme, like extremely just like hating the hassle of flatbed scanning. But to be honest, I just enjoyed the project and I was just happy to have something I could kind of bite into and and try out. Well, I know when we were in San Clemente for the film Padilla, that was like a uh, a subject that kept getting brought up was mm-hmm. that, you know, it's it's 2000 at that point, like 19, and there's still only flatbed scanners, expensive scanners, or now people are turning into like shooting with DSLRs and stuff like that. And it's cool that there's now a new option out there. Like that's, that's nice. Thanks yeah. for doing that. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, it was a, it was a fun project at first and like it kind of got more serious and more serious. Like we had um, some amazing encouragement coming from other folks in the industry. A couple film labs were like starting to experiment with it. They said, yeah, it actually works great in a workflow. We just need a better way to, to hold the film flat and process large quantities. So yeah, I, I think it was great. I think the, to be honest with you, the market, like the film community was really ready for something yeah. innovative yeah. around scanning. Yeah. Especially the folks that like to get hands on with it. I think there's a lot of folks that enjoy the um, the manual aspect of scanning their own film and kind of getting a hands on approach with their their negatives. So yeah, I think I think people really enjoy it because they get to do more themselves. Right. It's it's really like the whole you know from start to finish is really you know one of the things a lot of people enjoy and having a faster way to get from beginning to end is you know, really helpful. What's the process? How would you say how much faster is is a method like this than a traditional flatbed scanner, would you say? I mean, obviously, it depends on like someone's experience. And it depends Mm -hmm. on a couple other factors. But like, I have a setup on a desk that basically has a camera that's always attached to it that's tethered to my computer. And so Mm -hmm. I can basically just use the knob on the negative carrier to advance between frames. It takes me like two and a half to three minutes to capture a roll of film. Wow. And then I can use batch Isn't that processing. Crazy? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I can use batch processing to convert the negatives in another couple of minutes. And I still get to kind of play around with the colors, but the big difference between a lot of scans that you get traditionally is I'm using the raw file. So I'm really actually able to pull a little bit more detail out of it. Oh yeah, yeah. I didn't even think yeah, of that. Yeah, I remember yeah, you, you showing me that it, it, in New York. That was like really something that was pretty incredible that you're like getting a better scan. I mean, so the film does a really good job at compressing the information into just a couple stops of dynamic range. Your camera can then capture that and then expound that information into a full image once you convert it with software. I think a lot of people forget that the sensors that are in the traditional film scanners like the um, Noritsus and Frontiers, those are, you know, sensors that have been around for almost 20 years mm-hmm. now. Yeah, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. So you're really just able to capitalize on kind of technology improvements. And once once the technology is kind of harnessed, it's all about workflows. So you said four by five as well? Is that is that something <laughs> for the future that we're thinking of here? No. So we actually already have a four by five solution. Oh, crazy. Cool. We have sold dozens of them, but um, it is a basically just a piece of etched 
acrylic that you set your negative down onto. If you have super curly negatives, like some of the chrome film, you can use tape mm-hmm. to hold it down or weights. Um, but then just like with the others, you basically just capture an image of it. Some of the really high-end cameras can do like 50-plus megapixel scans. Wow. Um, and then we also custom build stuff. So we've actually built an 8x10 carrier for a couple film labs. Oh, wow. Wow, that's awesome. That's cool. It's really kind of lowering the barrier of entry for a lot of folks, especially with large format. Um, we thought that was just going to be a small piece to the puzzle. But we're finding that large format shooters are kind of like the loudest minority in the <laughs> community, which is amazing. They're the most passionate. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you need passion when it comes to shooting big negatives right, like that. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. Well, it also, I mean, the passion drives the innovation, and that's what's so cool. I mean, you see new large format cameras, film mm-hmm. cameras, way more often than you see a new medium format or 35 millimeter film camera. It's very true. Very true. Yeah. So do you see yourself in the future, like, approaching more labs with your you know, negative supply scanner as like, hey, this is another solution if the Noritsus and Frontiers are getting old, <laughs> as we all know. Yeah, to, to be transparent with you, it has kind of been the other way around. They've been approaching me. Oh, great. Which is, oh, it's been a good cool. feeling. But we're also like, oh my gosh, you're like this lab that I've looked up to for mm-hmm. years. I've sent my <laughs> film to you and now you're now you're like reaching out to me and saying, come do a demo. Um, but no, we've got folks in Europe that are testing it. We've got a lab that's using it full time here, but mainly for their their Chrome scanning. It just happens to be a much smoother process for them. But the real thing I think that encourages us is they're always looking for kind of the next thing. And I think they do see some promise there, especially as they start finding the expensive repairs to their current machines mm-hmm. to become prohibitive. Right. That's exciting. I was going to say, This is very exciting. (laughs) (laughs) Chris and I, before we started the show, we were talking about how you guys are working on an app. Are you guys doing some sort of a partnership for an app for cell phones and stuff like that? Or is that that something I've misheard? Um, So I guess the easy way to put it is we are friends with a guy named Abe Fetting. He works for a company or he owns a company. He is is a company called Develop and Fix. Um, Abe does the Filmbox app. Yes. Actually, Film Lab should get that right. The Film Lab <laughs> app um, for the phone. It's been out for years. This app basically allows you to kind of preview or capture your negatives um, with your, your device. But over the last couple of months, I've been talking with him about doing like a desktop app. And apparently he was also thinking about it too. And so just the other day, he launched kind of a, a preview of that app. Um, with like demos to come and I've been playing around honestly like up until this podcast started a few minutes ago (laughs) with the latest demo and it's absolutely amazing Ah, it is going to blow people away like you just drag your raw file from your camera into the app and you click it it just starts converting and then you can adjust all the settings and stuff it's amazing man way to go Abe wow I know (laughs) I would say like this is a great time from a technology standpoint for film photographers like so many more do-it-yourself options. Obviously, we would never want labs to feel like we're trying to like steer in a different direction from using those professional services because those are a godsend. Mm-hmm. But um, for the people that love to get hands-on, especially in the dark room, this is just one extra option for them. And I'm one of those people. Like I've I've never even used a lab. I mean, other than Walgreens, like one hour years ago. I still but can't believe that about you. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'm so stubborn when it comes to it. But I just I love, you know, like we said at the beginning, just like taking the process from A to B. I feel mm-hmm. so much more like it's mine. I, I haven't even got to see a demo of it yet. Yeah, I know when the first one was going around, when the thirty five was going around, I you guys were reaching out and I, I wanted to meet with you. It's just timing is always so tough when, you know, when life is in the way of everything but mm-hmm. um 
I need to see this thing in person. I need to, to, I mean, I've seen like Matt Day's video on it and stuff like that. And I've seen the C41 podcast guys talking about it. So yeah, it, I guess it's, it's really probably cool. a good time to say like, we've got some great videos on our website, mm-hmm. like that kind of help. Oh yeah, it. yeah, definitely. Um, we're kind of putting together more of a press page at some point so we can kind of pull together some of the folks like Matt Day that have reviewed it. Um, Nico's photo show. I don't know if you guys yeah. follow him or not, but oh um, yeah, mm-hmm. he's really helping to push the the industry forward by encouraging new products and he's been a just a big a big help to us providing feedback along the way as well yeah i think that's important is uh we all kind of get together and stick together in this mm-hmm. thing and help promote and yes. push and yes. all yes. that stuff because you know it could easily be like 2006 or 8 again yeah. when everything disappears and we're all like what <laughs> i was gonna say this is probably a good time to like just share some gratitude for the industry as a whole like yeah. I've worked in quite a few different industries over the years and I've never really been in one like the film industry where it's just so welcoming. Mm. Like everybody's receptive to like new ideas. Everybody is supportive of new ideas, like and not just in a financial sense, like people just want to jump in there and give you their suggestions or their right. thoughts. And it's very rare for people to be negative. Um, and when they do, there's always someone to step in and say, hey, don't worry about that. Just keep doing what you're doing. The film industry appreciates it. So, yeah, we, we can't be thankful enough for it. AJ and myself really, really love what we get to do. That's so nice to hear because, like you said, a lot of – I mean, we've seen like other industries and other things where people <laughs> – just you know want to take everybody down but we got to remember we're building this back up again and we got to keep (laughs) holding each other up and supporting like all the ideas and all that stuff so i definitely agree on that yeah yeah for sure it's it's awesome to be a part of too so once uh the the kickstarter's closed or is it still going right now is it it's still going so we launched monday so that's almost a week ago from today um when this yeah, yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> That's so crazy. Three weeks to yeah. go. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and honestly, like, we had done a lot of work to really ask the community what they wanted. And as we're asking them for what they wanted, they start anticipating a Kickstarter. So as soon as we launched, I think a lot of people were really prepared to to support it, um, which we're ecstatic about. Like, we can't can't be thankful enough for that. But it's also giving us kind of an opportunity to to really push ourselves. One of the things that kind of came along with the 35 millimeter Kickstarter was maybe a need to expand and and grow just a little bit to scale our operations, which is Mm. something we didn't even think would be possible early on. Um, And so now with the 120, we're going to be able to do that. We're going to be able to like get those lead times a little bit down. We're going to be able to like employ people into the film industry, which... Oh, that's so cool. Like a year ago, that was so like so far, far out there, but it's going to give us kind of an opportunity to do that. And as weird as this sounds, like we do almost everything we possibly can in-house. And so being able to bring a lot of the manufacturing in-house and employ people in manufacturing jobs in the film industry is like something that makes me really proud. And hopefully I think a lot of people, they can kind of get behind that a little bit. Um, I think that's that's kind of one of, our, one of our biggest goals is just to build a sustainable company. You know, maybe it's film scanning for the next couple of years and the industry says build this. That's what we'd love to be there for. We've talked before about like having to get day jobs and I know (laughs) that I would rather work for a company like Negative Supply or like a lab or something related to this stuff because, you know, we're all we're all passionate and all love it so much. So that's really exciting news. Yeah. Well, and it it, kind of goes pretty deep. It's kind of part of our ethos as well. Um, We haven't spent money on like advertisement 
I know that that sounds weird, but like we don't spend money on Instagram ads or like YouTube ads and stuff like that. Wow. We actually take the funds that we would use for that and we send um, like demo units to people and just let them use them indefinitely. We support like as many people as we possibly can in in whatever way we can to really showcase the artists that are out there. Um, We just find for one, we get more than our money's worth like in, in that perspective, like people are are super thankful and they're always providing feedback, which is our most valuable tool. Um, but it also just feels right to do that and really mm-hmm. be given an opportunity to showcase work rather than just like shoving ads down people's throats. Oh yeah. I'd much rather watch like a, a demo video than, you know, yeah, I know. Buy our- <laughs> cause they, they are very, you know, it's demos are so persuasive. Like I'm just like watching somebody use it and I'm like, Oh wow, that's so easy. I love that. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, thankfully we've never had to pay anybody to say anything good <laughs> um, awesome. to be honest. That's like, awesome. Most of the time I'm super nervous. I'm like, don't let me send this to you. And then you, you get biased on me. I need you to be honest about yeah. it because that feedback yeah. will really help us in the long run. Um, and so everybody is super receptive to that and is always like more than willing to give us the good, the bad and the ugly. And we, we appreciate that. So do, are there any like version twos for the 35 millimeter coming out anytime soon? Are you guys working on anything like that or? Uh, I mean, that is, that is a good question, but it also is like a good time to kind of discuss one of the other like cornerstones of what we do. Oh, yeah. 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 Like at the end of the day, we, kind of look at ourselves as like a tool company. Okay. And so what I see that as is like, ideally you can buy something and use it and you don't have to replace it. You're not stuck in some sort of upgrade cycle. Mm-hmm. And so while we have been collecting like this momentous set of feedback around the 35 millimeter version and like people are always helping us dream about what what else it could do, um, we don't ever want to like come out with something and then a year later say, sorry, that one's uh, yeah, that's, here's something yeah, yeah. yeah, It's more like, here's this product, and then here are some accessories that might be able to augment it without us wasting the material from like an environmental standpoint, or us feeling like people have to just pour out their money every year for something new. Um, so yes, we've, we've been collecting ideas for like a version two, but it is much further down on the horizon as we've got other products that we'd like to do first that I think there's a bigger need for. That cool. that was, brings me to my next question. Are you guys like thinking of like your other products? Are you thinking of like having a negative supply like light table or that? That'd be cool. I mean, when you talk about things that people ask for, that is definitely at the top yeah. of the list. Um, I believe it. Yeah. yeah. We never want to do anything that someone else is already doing really well. And we never want to do anything when we can't innovate. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so I think the light table thing has been something that we've worked on already for a long time. But there is like one piece of that puzzle that we want to solve first before we actually get it out into the world. But once we do, I think it'll actually be a meaningful difference and really kind of empower. I think scanning in, in a little bit different way, but a better way. I'll leave it at that. Mm, okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I still kick myself because uh, there's I, I've talked about him plenty of times on this show he's uh he's like a 90 year old man he owns the building that i work at he's my photography grandpa guru like i love him he's just filled with so much knowledge of photography it's it's ridiculous and he was selling a copy stand like a really really nice copy stand it's basically what you said you know you connect your camera to it it points the camera down basically to do copies and or you could put a light table on it and i i just kicked myself he was like do you want this thing i'm gonna either put it out for the garage sale or just chuck it and i looked at it and i was like i don't even know what that is (laughs) like i'm sure it's cool but uh i just don't need it right now and now i'm like why i'm like hey 
do you still have that copy stand, Mr. Bob? And he's like, oh, no, I threw that thing away. And I'm like, oh, yeah. oh, kill, kill me now. Well, I mean, that's a good point, too. Like, we do carry a copy stand. Like, we oh, mainly okay, carry cool. one awesome. because we we added, like, a micro-adjustment rail so it can raise up mm, and down. A lot of the low-end ones on the market didn't have that. But honestly, more often than not, people use, like, old enlargers that they already mm. have. Oh, smart. And yeah. So we always, like, encourage that. Like, from an environmental standpoint, that makes so much more sense from a waste standpoint it makes more sense like giving old film products like a new life yeah. seems like the mm-hmm. right thing to yes, do just absolutely. like we do with the cameras man that's what i love uh what was it it was like intrepid they were turning yeah. their four by fives into enlargers yep. or their eight by tens i forget which one it was but that's just so neat to to have like multi because when uh nbc did that that video recently mm-hmm. with matt day and nick and all them in the video and there, there was a guy, it was like almost towards the end. He was like, I just don't see this being like environmentally sustainable for long. Cause you know, it's like harsh chemicals that right. we use to do this. And when he said that, I was like, no, like don't, don't, please no, yeah. like don't, don't start lumping this stuff into like bad stuff yeah. because then it's going to go away. But, uh, yeah, when he yeah. said that, it just hit me. So I'm glad, I'm glad there's like reuse and recycle with this stuff. It's, that's cool. That's really cool. That's a yeah, good point. And I would never want to like attack another industry either, but like you got to think the film industry is obviously consuming chemicals, but I think just about everybody I know that uses those chemicals knows how to dispose of them. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. But we're also not like reinvesting into like creating waste by buying like a camera that is updated once a year. Mm. Yeah, yeah. We're using like cameras from the 70s and 80s and, mm. and maybe even further back um, that, again, have been given another lifespan. So that's always super important. Definitely. Definitely. Man. Yeah. Why? Why? Oh, I hate I hate like the future. I hate this marketing of, <laughs> oh, Canon's got a new something coming out. We got to get it. You know, like and it, it's like when your camera that you just got a year ago is so good. Like it's uh, I mean, I use a, the digital camera I have is from like 20. 14 i think and it still works great i mean it's it's a sony a6 something a6000 i think yeah it's i mean i don't know if it was 2014 but it was sometime you know it's it's there's like a 6700 now or something you know what i mean like it's it's just crazy how it's like i mean i get it they have to make money and shiny (laughs) toys are just always awesome it's so much fun but uh, well I, i will say like as far as like capturing like your scans i'm up until like a couple months ago, was still using a Canon T2i to like oh, scan yes. my film with. Love that. Um, so I don't want people to think that they have to go out and buy like right. a thousand dollar camera. Uh, to get I was going to ask yeah. that. Yeah. Like, yeah, you can get away with an older model, I'm assuming, right? Yeah. I think like one of the biggest misconceptions or like the biggest questions or like just the biggest thought on people's mind is like, how is scanning like medium format film with a digital camera giving you the quality of medium format. Mm -hmm. And I think there is like, there's a valid reason to ask that question because it doesn't quite make sense. Like when you first think about it, Mm. but the way that film like works is it like chemically compresses the light into fewer stops. And then when you like develop it on a paper, it expands back out. Basically Mm. you're basically doing the same thing with like a digital sensor. So you don't need like a million stops of dynamic range to like capture a film scan. Um, you just need a camera that can like literally capture the colors accurately and 
honestly, that's about it. Like as long as your lens is um, is like a macro lens, like you're going to get good scans. Like that's all there is to it. And so like using something like an older camera kind of goes again back to that thing. Like what can we reuse that we already mm-hmm. own? Like yeah. what do people already have? Like what do we not need to buy n- new devices for? And so the T2i was my version of that. It was like 150 bucks on, I don't know, <laughs> yeah. KEH probably. Yeah. And it tethers to my computer and it worked fine. So it's like, why, why would I get anything different? That's great. Good. So you say, so can you use a cell phone with this, with the, with the negative holder? Yeah, you can. Um, like the biggest, kind of the biggest hurdle right now is like finding a lens that will let you capture the full frame, like mm. a oh, macro okay. adapter for your phone. Yeah. Um, okay. Four by five is perfect. You can actually mm. scan four by five with your, your phone and get pretty decent scans. They're great for the internet. It's quick and easy. Um, but when you use your phone to capture like 35 millimeter, it doesn't quite get close enough. Like it doesn't focus close enough to okay. fill the entire frame. Yeah. Um, so I went on Amazon and found something that worked well enough, like just a glass lens to slip in front. And yeah, that it's a great way to preview either way. Hmm. Yeah. I just, I, I, I was thinking that because I mean, I have the new iPhone pro, whatever the heck it is. <laughs> and I'm just like, man, this, this camera on here is insane. I mean, I, I'm sure you would be able to do some sort of, yeah. even if they're just like Instagram right. scans well, or something right. like that. You know, what's funny though, is actually one of the photographers that like really started inspiring me to do or explore camera scanning. Um, his Instagram tag is um, 400TX project, I believe. Oh, I think I know who you mean. Yeah. 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 So he actually uses his phone up until recently, I think he just got a camera, but he used his phone for every scan. Um, oh, wow. I don't remember what type of phone it was, but like, if you go down his story, like almost all of those, those were done with the phone early on. Um, wow. And then like his personal Instagrams the same way. We sent him a unit actually. And he just kept scanning with his phone using our unit. And <laughs> honestly, you look at those scans and you don't pay attention to the quality of the scans. You pay attention to yeah, like the yeah, right. composition mm-hmm. and like the subject matter and, and things like that first and foremost. But if you do take a closer look, you're like, wow, how did this come from a phone? Like technology is yeah. crazy technology is it's crazy. crazy yeah but yeah that's that's just cool because I, I my struggle is with like instagram and uploading is just you know back to the flatbed scanner mm-hmm. it's just like i don't want to do it i don't want to do it and then i do it and then you got to like bring everything in lightroom and do all this and this and that you know it's just such a pain in the ass and anything to get it quicker and easier is is a plus yeah sounds which... like it's right up your alley timothy yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. <laughs> well, and I think that's like a good point too. Like you, you never want there to be like a barrier of entry for creativity. Exactly. Yeah. A lot of people, it gets in the way for a lot of people, I feel like. Yeah, you're you're exactly right. Like I think for some people, like, you know, they get super excited at the front end of taking mm-hmm. photos with film. And then on the back end, they get a little stuck. They can send it to a lab, which is great. Not always like the most, what, financially feasible or like yeah. the right. most timely option. It is option. expensive, yeah. But um, I think what's important though to, really continue to create film photographers and create like ongoing users of film like people that are still buying film is to just lower the barrier of entry and being able to do as much as you can at home helps financially but it also gives people a hand in the process and that's super super important so what was the design process like saxon from from like conception to you know having a product because you did did you did it all on your own or did you have somebody yeah i did it all on my own um it was a lot of prototypes, mm-hmm. um, but my one of my passions really is like building things. Like I grew up doing that. I grew up like mm-hmm. taking things apart and putting them back together. Past projects have included lawnmowers that go way too fast and I built a <laughs> boat after high school, like things like that. But I really started getting into like smaller like 
mechanical objects. And so for me, like taking on a project like this was actually kind of almost a hobby at first, Mm -hmm. but it was really just a lot of trial and error, like basically using CAD software to like model something completely, do like a 3D printed test version of that, see if it worked, see if it held the film flat, redesign and kind of go back and forth. I don't know if you guys remember like back when we launched our first Kickstarter, that entire 35 millimeter Kickstarter was based around us shipping a product that was going to be plastic. Mm. Um, We were going to use like a really great nylon. It looked great. It was going to perform well. But like right at the end of the Kickstarter, right after it had ended, I was able to like work with this manufacturing partner to come up with a way to make it all aluminum with like interchangeable inserts so you could show the full Uh. border. And so we were able to kind of like surprise and delight all of those backers like right at the end and say, here, you're getting something that's solid as three pounds worth of aluminum. Um, it's super recyclable because of the aluminum versus like other construction methods. And it's going to last you forever. That was kind of, I think, the stepping off point for us when we said, yeah, this isn't just like a hobby for us. Like this Kickstarter was successful and we just built something we're super proud of. Let's keep doing that. And so that has kind of continued through our design process with the, the additional products that we've made. Fortunate enough now to have like a very small 150 square foot office currently that <laughs> I can like as- literally assemble every single product in. And we have several 3D printers for like smaller parts. Um, we use like a fiber reinforced composite. So it's like very easy to build pro- parts that are strong and durable. And then we still work with like great partners that allow us to order the aluminum parts, like CNC machine parts yeah, yeah. to build wow. the enclosures. Wow, we live in the future. Like we, <laughs> the, the whole, the whole like three D printing thing mm-hmm. still just blows Same. my mind. Like, uh. yeah. Well, I, I mean, it obviously came around at the right time too. I think, especially yeah. for for niche industries, it's given them kind of like a like a leg up almost mm-hmm. on people mm-hmm. ten years ago. Um, and so that has definitely like really pushed us forward, especially with like prototyping. Like I can build a couple prototypes and send them off and get feedback within a week. Yeah wild and then that's spending ten dollars versus previously like our prototypes would cost us like hundreds or thousands of dollars to do wow goodness man so since since you've guys like kind of had the success like has there been any like companies breathing down your back trying to like steal your ideas (laughs) Uh, look not steal them but you know look i AJ will hate me for saying this. AJ's the, again, the co-founder, but like yeah, when, yeah. when we first launched our Kickstarter, I was like, we're going to launch this. We're going to sell like a couple dozen. Someone's going to steal our idea yep. and we'll have had fun, but we launched a revolution and that's all, all we're here for. Yeah. But it, uh. <laughs> you know, what's so interesting is I think with it being such a small and niche market, I think we really found that at the end of the day, like it was almost our calling to do this. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Yes. Um, like, and, and it's so weird and I hate getting that like meta about things, but like, AJ is like officially, I guess I can say this, hopefully his boss doesn't listen to this, like officially leaving his job and starting at negative supply (laughs) full time, which is awesome. Uh. That has been like a goal from the very beginning. Um, I was fortunate enough to be able to do that about three months ago. And so it's like, uh, yeah, I know. Living the dream. Congrats. Congrats. Like it has been a lot of it has been three months of me stuck in a small office, like shipping orders all over the world. Um, <laughs> but I'm sure so loving I'm, every second of it. Every single moment. Yes. Like, can't possibly be more gracious for it. It's been amazing. Um, but again, it goes back to that like idea, like let's build some tools that people are going to use for generations. Let's become a resource to the community that if someone needs to get um, a product made, if it's custom or if it's like mass market, we can do that. Like we can really be a resource for the community and, and build the tools that are needed. And we'll be agile enough to like 
move in a different direction if they, they want us to. So can I ask Beautiful. you? Yes. Um, are you still shooting professionally? Are you doing any like... Uh, no. I, I want to talk about your photography because it is a film photography podcast after all. <laughs> yes. I was going to say that might be more exciting. <laughs> so I did weddings like on and off for years. Like it was kind of like my part-time gig mm-hmm. while being a student and while working other jobs. I started to realize like... I only want to do things in my life if I'm able to give like 100% to mm-hmm. it yep. or more than yes. 100% to it. And I was able to do weddings for friends and family and give 100% every single time. But when it was like trying to go full time and book other weddings, that's rough. I felt it's like hard. there were always other yeah. folks that were probably better for it. And so that's what I started started doing. So I, up until about a year ago, I, sh- I shot weddings for friends and family really only. And they were amazing. Can't be more thankful for those opportunities. But what I did start realizing is I really enjoy travel work and not work that I necessarily sell or anything like that. But I really just love documenting and creating like longer blog posts of like trips that I've taken. And so that's kind of where my, my work morphed. I have taken a Nikon FM2 like around the world and just like, honestly, (laughs) like the feeling of like using one camera for like a year, because that was kind of my goal for last year and the year before, really, really is is amazing because I just started learning it and knowing how to shoot it every single moment, mm-hmm. like kind of what what scenarios. And so, yeah, that's kind of where my photography went over the last like couple of years is like, let me just document kind of what I see. And I don't have kids or anything like that. So there wasn't really much else to do besides like landscape and like mm-hmm. cities and people and things like that. Do you think you'll get back to shooting for even just for friends or you kind of want to stay more focused on? I don't know about the wedding part. Like, so I guess some maybe necessary background. I grew up in Alabama. Mm -hmm. And so like Southern weddings were like the big thing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think like after a while I started realizing like as much as I love these weddings and the people that are in them, um, it's kind of harder for me to, to be passionate about these types of weddings. And so, no, I think, I think honestly, like if I do anything, it'll be more like portrait or editorial work. I think that's kind of long-term what I'd like to create outside of just documenting like my friends' lives. It's, yeah. As long as you're not, I mean, this is a great venture and we're all excited and happy, but you know, as long as you're still shooting, that's, that's great to hear. <laughs> I will be honest and say like, I currently have like 50 rolls of film that I need to develop and scan. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yes. of, like, Timothy knows all weeks. about that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I, you know, I definitely enjoy like the developing and scanning part of it too. Like the uh, the developing part has been something that I just got into about a year and a half ago, and it's been so rewarding. Um, it I is. It's like so color much fun. and like C forty one and D six oh, at wow. home, mm-hmm. black and white. Like I, I just get a kick out of it when like I get an image back, and I'm like, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. I didn't yeah. mess anything up, and this photo came out <laughs> perfectly. <laughs> Yeah, it is. It is magic. I love I love the magic of developing. And it's so therapeutic too. especially like throw on some tunes or like something on the mm-hmm. on the iPad and just go for it for a couple hours developing stuff. That's 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 like one of my favorite things of photography. Yeah. Well, if I can give like a little bit of a, a background to AJ, too, I, I hate that he's not able to make the podcast. Yeah, today. yeah, definitely. If you guys haven't seen his work, um, it's obviously linked on our, our social media. But AJ is like um, what he, he is the one that's still actively shooting weddings. Um, he does okay. hybrid, mm-hmm. but he also does some of the most amazing like large format travel work. Um, oh, wow. He does a ton of large format throughout the country. He's taken numerous road trips back and forth across the U.S., um, and the biggest thing that I think he's passionate about, and I'm going to speak for him, he might have different ideas. The thing I see most passion in is like the documentation of his family. 
Oh, um, yes, yeah. I've seen some of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, like, he lives in a small town in Tennessee. He lives with some of the most, like, creative people, and, like, just being able to, like, document that on a daily basis is, is amazing. And he'll send me, like, snaps of, like, our, our photos on Instagram of him, like, with this 8x10 setup in the dining room on Christmas. And I'm like, man, oh, I that's love awesome. It. Like, so he's, I will say he is, like, from a photographic standpoint, like, the foundation for negative supply. Like, that's what his degree is in. That's mm-hmm. where so much of his passions lie. And can't be more thankful for someone that can kind of bring that to the table and kind of balance balance our team. That's great. <sighs> I'm so proud of you guys. <laughs> it's such a it's such a rad story. Yeah. Like, come on. Uh, it's it's a lot of fun, and I, I really appreciate it too because I think like I think we 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 value that uh, that that appreciation more than I think some people realize. I think some people mm-hmm. think that maybe we just sit up in some big office and like mass produce stuff <laughs> yeah, yeah. overseas, but it's like no, I sit in a little tiny office and make everything we ship. That's crazy. Yes. So that's yeah, that's why I'm glad we got you guys on the mm-hmm. show or you on the show as well. Like it's just because people need to hear this stuff. I mean, it's I I love the like the mom and pop aspect mm-hmm. of this that it's just the two of you guys you're in a little office you're you know testing and trying out and getting it down and like it's just i don't know it's just such a good story it's such a great story yeah yeah well thank you well thank you i would turn my computer yeah, around and show you the mess but i think i'm afraid <laughs> i'll un- disconnect something so i'll save that for after we, we finish the recording yeah it's perfect so do you guys are you guys gonna are you hoping to like be in like camera stores and stuff in the future or is it kind of just you know, order online type of thing right now? Um, Well, I will say this. So we are super fortunate. Um, We attended Photo Plus this year. Mm -hmm. Um, We were invited by um, Robert's Distributors. Um, They're one of the biggest distributors for like Ilford and a lot of other photo specialty products. Um, But they actually were super supportive and said, we believe in this project. We'd love to get you in some stores. Um, So our stuff is already listed on like B&H and stuff like that. Um, So cool. Which is awesome. Yeah. Honestly, like I, things have been moving so fast that it's it's sometimes hard to even believe, but it's it's a good feeling. <laughs> so good. Yeah, it's great to think that the, the film community is like, you know, we're we're still here, we're we're making stuff and we're selling stuff, and I just love that. Honestly, it's it's also much more international than I realized. Like, I knew that there were a lot of like famous photographers throughout the world. I knew like Tokyo had a camera scene, and mm-hmm. like Germany has a camera scene, and the UK has a camera scene. But it's really interesting to start becoming like aware of all the small pockets throughout the world that also have like amazing camera scenes. And so you look at like Nashville photo scene, for example, or the yeah. LA yeah. photo scene, mm-hmm. and you're like, there's like a couple of those in every single country. There are so many shooters out there. And so that's been super rewarding. Every time I look at our analytics, I'm just like, what? Yeah. People listen to our show in, you know, Madagascar. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so crazy. Yeah. Uh, honestly, like, I think that's the biggest thing I want to like see over the next couple of years is like just bringing these groups together. Instagram's becoming a great platform mm-hmm. for that. But I think there's definitely room definitely. to like really connect people a little bit more. Love it. Agree. Agree. We'll be right back with a listener question for Saxon right after this message from our sponsor. Support for Analog Talk also comes from Polaroid Originals. Go to PolaroidOriginals.com and use the offer code ANALOGTALK10 at checkout to receive 10% off your next purchase.
All right, guys, the part of the show where we break off and take a question from one of our listeners. And this week's question comes from Chris Visser. And he asks, there's been some controversy as to the price of the unit, especially when at the beginning they were 3D printed plastic. Obviously, the product is high quality. And from everyone I've seen that has used one, they have nothing but praise. But who is this product for? Is it targeted at your casual film shooter or is the core audience your pro shooter with a high volume of rolls or small labs? Do you ever anticipate creating a more budget-friendly version? <laughs> good job. That's a good question. That's a lot. <laughs> That's a lot. Yeah. That's a lot. Um, I might have to bite that one off in pieces, so I might ask you yeah, to yeah. repeat the last part. Sure. Sure. I think if I heard correctly, like the first part of the question was really like, who is it for? Mm-hmm. Um, and yes. it kind of talked a little bit about the original versions that were 3D printed. Um so he's absolutely like he's absolutely right. Like when we first launched the first Kickstarter, like we didn't know if we were going to do the volume that we were going to do. And when I say volume, like the number of units to do like a fully machined aluminum version. Um, and so we relied on like 3D printing technology through that first Kickstarter. As we talked about earlier in the show, we actually kind of surprised everyone that backed it and said it's actually going to be aluminum. Mm-hmm. And we were able to do that because of the support from the community, just the number of units. Um made it a lot more cost effective. I also think that maybe some people aren't necessarily used to like what it costs to build things, especially like tools that are hand assembled and and put together. Of course, like there's the material cost, but there's also the time for designing the products and for testing the products and shipping samples and packaging design and things like that. And so we never want to feel like we're some sort of closed off company that just charges high prices and send stuff off somewhere else to be manufactured. Uh, We want to be as transparent as possible and say, like, we price our products in a way that we think is appropriate to create a sustainable business. Mm. But we also take into consideration that the market needs a product at a certain price point for users to be able to afford it and buy it. And that kind of rolls right into the question of who is it for? At the end of the day, like, we would always encourage people to try out camera scanning with whatever tools you may have at home. If you have like a flatbed scanning setup already, you can use those film carriers to to try it out. You can put your film in that and then use your camera. Um, But I think there's a lot of people out there that either don't have the time to use a flatbed or would prefer just a little bit better workflow, um, something that's a little bit easier to do and a little bit faster. And so that's that's what our product's for, whether you're a working photographer or a professional or a lab. Like if you require a better workflow, um, which is what our community asked for, and that's why we created it, mm-hmm. then that's what our product is there to do. It's able to provide a scanning solution that lets you digitize a roll of film in about five minutes. Yeah, yeah time is money when it comes to this stuff. And I think that, I mean, cutting cutting the the time it takes down so, so much is really the value in itself right there. You know, that's why a lot of people don't scan is because it just takes forever. So to me, I'd rather spend a little bit more money on something that's going to save me hours of my time, especially professional. Because they want to, you know, there's other things we have to do. Yeah. Well, and I think it goes both ways too. Like, I th- I think like there are a lot of people that maybe buy our products just to support a small mm-hmm. manufacturing company in the in the photo specialty world, and like we're ju- we're appreciative of that. But um, I think the vast majority of users really really are like, hey, I'm serious about my photography. I've spent a lot of money on cameras. Um, at the end of the day, I want to also like invest equally into a scanning solution that works for me. Yeah. Our tagline has been on just about every platform, like spend more time shooting and less right. time scanning. Mm-hmm. And I think that's 
really what we're after is just providing better workflows for people and lowering that barrier of entry so more people can shoot film. But we're also not about like tricking someone into buying a product that they're not going to use. If people email me, I'm like, please try camera scanning first. Like we don't want you to end up with something that you don't love. Like we want you to truly love this product because you're spending a lot of money on it um, and you're really supporting us along the way when you do that. We just want you to to feel like it's a good decision. Do you ever anticipate creating a more budget-friendly version? Yes. Um, you know, I think like it's something we we always look towards is like how can we bring the barrier of entry down for, for everyone? But I think with the way our comp- company operates and like with the types of products that we are looking to create long-term, um, we've got our eyes set on like a lot of other really exciting innovations first before Mm. we tackle anything like that. Um, I think there's always going to be room in the industry for products at different price points, whether or not we're the ones to do it. That's kind of still to be determined, I guess. I think also everybody forgets like how expensive even getting into scanning in general is. I Mm -hmm. mean, you can get the cheaper like V600, V5500 Epson scanners, but you can't do 4x5 on them and you can't do 8x10 Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. So, I mean, it's... I get it. The negative supply film holder just looks beautiful too. Mm-hmm. You know, it'd be like a nice little desk piece to, yeah. <laughs> to yeah, exactly. have to the. Don't drop you know, it on it's, your toe. It's really heavy. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's uh, it's you know, there's just there's everybody's got their little wah wahs mm-hmm. out there. They're grumpy about well, everything. I, I get it though, but like you also have to see like maybe some of the people that spend thousands of dollars on like a name brand camera mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like they're doing that because they support the brand and they really like the uh, yes. Like the personal identity maybe they get from owning that. Mm-hmm. There is definitely an element to our branding that goes along with that. Like we try to be like hip and cool and stuff. And like, you know, we want to be yeah. like approachable. <laughs> but like, again, we don't want to go back to this place where we like overly market every single thing. And we just create yeah. a brand that makes people want right. to buy these products. Right. They're tools. Like we want people to buy them because they're going to improve their experience and because they need to own them. Not because mm-hmm. they uh, saw a flashy ad with something spinning and said, ooh, I yeah. need that. It looks shiny. <laughs> yeah. And you also yeah. spoke to in the beginning that, you you know, you, you're not looking to make version after version after version and expect people to keep spending this money. So I think that, you know, people can rest assured, like the one I have will be the work for me, you know. Yeah. And I think maybe that's a worry with like lower cost versions too. Like we want to build something that's like one and done, you know, own this mm-hmm. for life, you pass it down. Um, and so we want to, if we, if we do come out with something lower cost, we want it to also fit within that as well, but yeah. nothing on the horizon right now. Great answers. Yes. Great answers. Great tough questions. questions yeah, great questions. Yeah, that was tough. <laughs> oh man. Speaking of tough questions. Yeah. Back to your personal photography. Mm-hmm. We do have the, the two part camera question so the first part is desert island camera like you can only choose one what's it gonna be um i'll be honest like as as someone who like really appreciates nice like tools and like things that make my life easier and and things that are gonna last i kind of have to say my nikon fm2 Ah, okay because i think if i'm stuck on an island and i need to depend on like one camera that's gonna be the one i'll take that's Um, the one it's the one that like muscle memory wise I can use without even thinking about it. Love it. But it's also, yes. also the one that's just never broken on me and I don't have to worry about. It's just going to work it's and a- I'm going to be able to create the art that I want to create without the, the camera getting in the way. It's a solid camera. Mm-hmm. Like I love that camera. Yeah. Great it's answer. A- yeah. Thank you. All right. And then there's part two. <laughs> Is there, we call it the white whale camera. Is there anything that you're, you know, you're lusting after that you haven't either got to shoot or you just, you know, outright can't afford it or any is there anything that you've had your eye on for for a while 
Yeah, I mean, look, I think like anybody who's like a, a designer or like someone who, again, appreciates like fine tools, they always look to like Hasselblads and really nice Leicas and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. I will say yes. like for me personally, like something machined out of solid brass like has a sex appeal. Um, oh, yeah. So there are some some high end Leicas that, you know, I would love to own, but w- with the caveat of like like an MP, for example, of like yeah, having the beautiful. like... Yeah financial stability to like repair it if it breaks and like <laughs> yeah oh have my the goodness. insurance policy on it and stuff like that i wouldn't say it's necessarily my white whale um i try to be as practical as possible but if i you know won the lottery and had to buy a yeah, camera exactly had to it'd probably be something solid brass and you know with a nice black paint Oof. oh beautiful pretty beautiful. I get that. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's it. This is great. Thanks for joining us, Saxon. We love the update. We're 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 very excited for all Definitely. the things you guys have going on. Um, feel very proud. It's exciting. Um, where can everybody check you out first, and then where can everybody get all the info on Negative Supply? Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me on the podcast. Of course. Um, yes. It was probably literally a year ago, like right when I was like using my flatbed scanner that I've like just found your podcast and started listening to it. So this is awesome. Full circle. I love that. Yeah. So, so thank you. First of all, um, as far as like finding me on the internet, um, I do have a, an Instagram it's minimal negative. Um, that's where I only put like photography that's done on film. Um, and then of course for the company itself, it's negative.supply on Instagram or negative supply.co online. Awesome. Yeah. We'll make sure to put all your, your info in the, in the description. Sweet. Thank you. Of course. Timothy, where are you at? Guys, you can head over to Instagram. I'm at Timothy Makeups. I also, I'm making film photography related YouTube videos Hooray. again. I've been, I've been doing that. And uh, just the uh, easiest way to find those or just go to the search bar on YouTube, type in Timothy Makeups and you'll find a bunch of stuff. Chris, where are you? So I'm Crispy Photo on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. I'm doing some YouTube stuff as of late as well. Um, we, are, we are Analog Talk Pod on Twitter, Analog Talk Podcast on Instagram, and we have a Facebook page. You can like and join. And that's it. Yeah. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Axon. <laughs> yeah, thank you, guys. All right, guys. We'll see you in the next one. Bye. Bye. All right. First off, we want to thank Saxon and Negative Supply for being on the show and creating something new for this film photography world that we live in. We greatly appreciate everything that you're doing and we love your vision and we love your success. And we're just so excited for you guys and can't thank you enough for all that you're doing. Guys, that's going to take us to Patreon. Head over to patreon.com slash analog talk. We got a bunch of stuff over there. Especially we've been doing this thing where on Mondays, which is two days early you can listen to the show if you're a patreon so that's pretty cool so for a buck two bucks five bucks whatever you guys feel like donating you know the donations definitely help chris and i do things like you know california meetups nashville meetups new york meetups and we have so many ideas for this show that we want to expand it and you know it just helps us free up some extra time and we appreciate each and every single one of you guys who have already donated to the show previous and new patreons and old patreons we we really appreciate you guys and we can't thank you enough from the bottom of our hearts so until next week we will see you soon keep shooting all that fun stuff and we'll see you soon later.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.